Welcome to the Roger Snipes Show. My name is Roger Snipes. I'm a lifetime natural fitness enthusiast with a key interest in physical and mental development, where science and nature create synergy, bringing you lifestyle optimization. Wouldn't it be cool if you could break down fat and provide yourself energy without it having to be a fat-burning stimulant? Well, Capex by Bioptimizers does exactly that. It breaks down fats into fatty acids, L-carnitine transports the fatty acids into the mitochondria, and InnerSlim burns the fatty acids in the mitochondria. Assisting with growing a bigger mitochondria, you have CoQ10, 7-keto-DHEA, not forgetting astrazyme. Taking Capex in the morning will provide a clean energy throughout the day. If you take it during a mealtime, then you will get official bowel movements, but more specifically, when you're on a ketogenic diet and intermittent fast. Although bioptimizers do not make any fat burning claims, you can find that your ability to burn fat will be increased between 10 to 15%, especially considering it has fat digesting enzymes too. Just visit bioptimizers.com and use coupon code SNIPES10 for 10% off. Do you feel older than what you are or do you feel younger than what your birth certificate actually says you are? Well, typically, how you've lived your life will determine how long you will live. A birth date is really just superficial information because it doesn't tell you how well your body is doing. Methylation tests and epigenetics testing can calculate your cellular age. This will be questioning whether your healthy living or not so healthy living is affecting your lifespan. To understand your biological age, why not check out DNAge? They can do a biological age test, which is based on the Dr. Horvath epigenetics age clock. Just go to mydnage.com and use coupon code SNIPES15 for a cool 15% off. Hi guys, so in today's episode, I have a great conversation with Dr. Amy Killen. Um, this is recorded over Zoom, so the quality is not going to be uh, as great as it does me using a fresh studio mic. Um, and uh, my studio mic, which was set up, was not actually set up, so the quality from my end is pretty poor as well. But um, even my introduction to Dr. Amy Killen was not as good as it was supposed to be. Uh, so the notes was rubbish. <laughs> She's actually really good. And I think um, obviously the interview will speak for itself because you'll hear from all of her experience that, um, yeah, she knows a lot. So the main subject covered in today's interview is sexual health or sexual optimization. So we really dive in deep to find out what are the most optimal ways to have sexual health, like whether it's um, longevity in the bedroom, 
making sure there's enough blood flow, um, mental health, just the whole synergy between everything to make sure that it runs sexually smooth. <laughs> so Dr. Amy Killen is fellowship trained in anti-aging and regenerative medicine through the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine and has done extensive additional training in aesthetics, uh, platelet-rich plasma and stem cells, um, hair restoration, bioidentical hormones, nutrition and fitness and what we're going to cover today which is sexual health. I've seen lots of videos with her. It's pretty amazing. She's done quite a lot. She's worked on a lot of biohackers as well and done some in-depth interviews with them too. And we're, we're just going to go into it without me rambling too much. <laughs> okay, so guys, let's do this. Cool. How am I looking? Am I looking okay? You're looking good. You're looking good. Yeah, show me your face. <laughs> Some of your muscles. It's good. It's good. Thank you so much for today. I greatly appreciate it. Don't know how to start this. So I'm here with yourself, Dr. Amy Killen, right? Yes, Dr. Amy Killen. That's Dr. right. Dr. Amy Killen. So you're board certified and an emergency in emergency medicine with over 10 years of direct patient care <laughs> <laughs> which basically i means i worked in the er for about 10 years the emergency room uh, i was a you know initially it was an emergency room physician and that's what i did and did that for about 10 years before transitioning into what i'm doing now that's awesome so what made you transition into sexual health because this is what i really want to talk about with you i've seen yeah. a lot of your videos and i'm like wow this lady knows exactly everything about sexual health <laughs> And I think um, a lot of the audience would like to know a bit more in how they can, uh, let's say, improve their sexual health. Like, how did it all start for you? Why did you choose So I, I didn't go directly into sexual health. I actually went into, like, integrative medicine and preventative medicine and kind of learning about anti-aging and, you know, basically how to prevent illnesses and be healthier using different uh, tools than I was using in the emergency department. Um, and then once I started doing that, I was doing a lot of hormone replacement and, and lifestyle medicine, diet, nutrition, things like that. Um, and what I found is that once my patients started to feel a little bit better, like once their fatigue was a little better, they're starting to lose weight, their energy's better, you know, things like that, they would come back to me and ask me for help with their sex lives. And so I was like, oh, I got to I gotta figure out what to tell these people. So I started learning about, about sort of sexual health and sexual optimi optimization using some of these new tools and tricks that are out there that people don't necessarily know about that can be really effective. So that's, that's, that's what I do now. So I do skin wow. and sex. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So what would you say are the, I don't know if there's like a, a five most useful methods? Or is there like a, a bullet point or a, a certain number of things that you follow which are like the, the key elements of sexual health? 
Yeah, I have, um, I think it's six or seven at this point. I keep adding things to it, but things that I kind of tell my patients uh, to work on and we kind of go through those different things, um, which we can certainly go through with you. But basically the, 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 the things are, uh, start with your mind. So that the mind, I, I tell people to mind your mind. Uh, the mind-body connection is very important and actually your, your brain is your largest sex organ. And so if you're not in the right sort of headspace uh, and your stress is not controlled and your depression and your anxiety and all those things, then, um, then the rest of it is, is, is worthless. It's not going to be as good as it could be. So the mind piece is important. Um, taking care of your body is actually super important. No one ever talks about uh, sexual health once they get past like, I don't know, junior high when you have like sex ed. And then after that, like it just, no one talks about it, but uh, you know, making sure yeah. you have, making sure that you have like good blood flow, that your blood vessels are open and that you don't have a lot of inflammation that causes, uh, you know, problems in, in the genitalia is super important. And so it's, it's things like limiting inflammation and there's a whole list of things with that. So keeping your body healthy, um, increasing your nitric oxide is also another thing that's really important for sexual health because nitric oxide uh, opens up the blood vessels and lets the blood come in. Uh, so you need that to have an erection and you need that to have uh, clitoral engorgement and things like that so you have to have nitric oxide which goes down as we get older so that's mm. the third one but is that both for men and women the nitric oxide yes and we can talk okay. about that yeah definitely it's for both men and women um the fourth one is hormones and making sure that those are kind of where they need to be uh kind of balanced where they need to be because those are something that also change quite a bit as we you know go through our 30s 40s 50s um and things are not quite what they were <laughs> when you're you know 18 or 20 um mm -hmm. and then the, the other ones are are, uh, there's some therapies like sound-based uh, therapies, light-based therapies, um, and biologics like stem cells and PRP that all can be helpful in regenerating those tissues. So those are my however many I just said. Those are my side kind of six, right. seven, eight things that I uh, that I talk about uh, when I when I speak about things you could do, you know, either at home or with your with your doctor. I don't think I've ever heard of like a, a sound therapy before. Sound therapy? So it's what, a, is that it's, music it's, you put music in? <laughs> that's what it sounds like. No, it's. I mean that that might work, but this is uh, more about sound waves. So one of the treatments for one of the more effective actually treatments for erectile dysfunction as well as for female sexual dysfunction uses high intensity sound waves delivered in this like um, kind of like a gun shaped device that basically you 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 put the sound waves, it, they, they go into the tissue and they cause a little bit of micro trauma in the tissue. And that stimulates um, stem cell recruitment and like a blood flow and nitric oxide. And essentially it stimulates the healing process. So this, uh, wow. these, these sound waves or pressure waves have been studied, also called shock waves. You may have heard of shock wave therapy, same thing. Um, yeah, have been used. I've heard of it, but I don't know what yeah. it is. Yeah, so it's super it's cool, we can talk about it. But that's one of, the, one of the new things that I've been doing for a few years. But but it's fairly new um, in most places and people are are pretty excited about it because it actually works which is which is nice so, okay a shock wave um, is it did you say it causes a trauma or something so it causes just a micro trauma so it's not enough that you're gonna have any product you won't even have like bruising or anything like that it's just it's just the sound waves these high pressure waves go into the tissue and this works by the way on the penis but it also works on like shoulder pain or knee pain or like it works anywhere it does the same thing which is it causes a little bit of trauma it tricks yeah. your body your body thinks that it needs to repair that and so it begins the repair process just like it would if you had like an actual trauma but you haven't actually hurt yourself and so your body says 
sends out all these growth factors to like get new blood vessels in there, get new blood flow in there, bring in the stem cells to repair the tissue, you know, bring in the nitric oxide to open up the blood vessels. So this works like on a, you know, a tendonitis, fasciitis, things like that, but it also mm -hmm. works for erectile dysfunction um, and probably also works in women. We're, we're just now starting to use it in women. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool stuff. It sounds cool. And it, as you was explaining it, I was thinking to myself, it sounds like, it sounds like an autophagy for your genitals, you know, yeah. because you're kind of putting your body under stress in mm -hmm. order for it to kind of uh, repair itself uh, and regenerate better kind of right. thing. It's all Genital about the it's all about the, the the hormesis, right? The like causing stress, and your body adapts to it and gets better because of it. So you know, in a way, it's it's kind of like some of the other stresses that you put your body through, like intermittent fasting or um, you know, or a weights workout or things like that, where you're you know, like weights is a good example. Like you know, you're doing like you're you're doing lifting, you're causing micro trauma to your muscles, right? Yeah. And then that micro trauma repairs itself, and you actually get bigger and better muscles than you had before. So it's kind of that same idea you cause a little bit of micro trauma your body does it you know, the body knows how to repair itself as long as you you just kind of trick your body into thinking it needs to be repaired yeah 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 okay so what is there a certain procedure um set of procedures that you do in order or could it be you just kind of select which one you feel is suitable for them or do you do all of them uh, for each patient <laughs> how does it work so it depends, you know, not certainly. I, so I'm in, so I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah and Park City, Utah, which obviously is, is just one place and not, not everyone is going to be coming to my office. So I usually try to give people tools they can do at home first, uh, because there's a lot of things that you can do on your own uh, that you, so that you can prevent some of these problems later on so that you don't have to come and get these kind of therapies. So that's where we talk about things like, like increasing nitric oxide is something that's easy to do if you know what you're doing. Um, so one of the things I tell people is that as you get older, and uh, you know, really by the age 40 or so, um, which some of us are already at that point. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think tell you, me more, tell me I, more. I think that you said you were 40. Um, once you're 40, you're making about half as much nitric oxide as your 20-year-old friends. And that number that goes, goes down as you get older. So nitric oxide, if you think about it, you have blood vessels that are like this big, for instance. And if you, nitric oxide is the chemical that tells them to open up or to vasodilate, so the blood has there's more blood can get to different areas of your body. So that's why nitric oxide boosters are in like pre-workout. So you, you may have taken a pre-workout that has like L-arginine or L-citrulline or some of these, these nitric oxide boosters. And all that's doing is opening those blood vessels up so the blood can get to your muscles and, and you can you know, lift stronger weights and all of that. Um, but the same thing applies to the, to, for erections. You have to have nitric oxide um, to have an erection. Like that's, you have to. And so as you get older, you don't have as much nitric oxide um, and you actually lose the ability to make as much nitric oxide so one of the things you can do is you can get it in your food which is pretty cool so foods that are high in nitrates which are things like green leafy vegetables beets uh, you know uh, pomegranate even like dark chocolate for some reason has uh, nitrates you can take those foods in and your body can make it into nitric oxide but there are two things that a lot of people do that are actually stopping their body's ability to be able to make nitric oxide from food. So one of those things is using antiseptic mouthwash. So if you use mouthwash, you know, if you gargle in your mouth. Mouthwash? Yes. Yeah, that can affect the nitric oxide in your body. Yes, the mouthwash <laughs> can affect your ability to have an erection. And that's what I tell people, which is crazy. Um, as you get wow. older, it's more important for, again, people over 40. <laughs> 
I know, right? You could be going on a date or something. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Expect to be lucky at the end of it. You wash, you wash your mouth out, but and that's about it. Like you've got fresh breath, but nothing right. else is functioning. I mean, usually it has to be something that you're doing every day. So it's probably fine to do it like just before a date. But if you're doing it every day, then you're killing the good bacteria in your mouth. The, the, you know, there's, there's a microbiome in your mouth, just like there is in your gut and everywhere else. So I learned those, about that. Those bacteria, yeah, those bacteria actually are needed to complete the first step of, of making nitric oxide from nitrates in food. So your body actually can't do that. You have to have the bacteria in your mouth. And so if you kill those bacteria because you're using like an alcohol-based uh, mouthwash, then you've, you've lost that ability to make nitric oxide from food. Um, so that's one thing is, you know, either limit your mouthwash or get one, use one that doesn't have like an alcohol or, um, you know, it's not going to be antiseptic. It's not going to kill the bacteria. It's just going to like, I don't know, taste like a mint or something, but not going to kill the bacteria. So I, I do have a mouthwash, but it's, um, it's supposed to be all natural. So I, yeah, I, I don't know if it's causing any issues down there. Well, I, I haven't seen any issues. It seems to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe it depends how the, the, the period of time. But um, yeah. Listerine, I know that's one which um, I stopped using a long time ago. It felt like my mouth was on fire anyway. It just didn't feel right. Yeah, you know? it's pretty harsh. I, I, I'm not, I, yeah, I, I agree. And again, it's not going to be a problem if you're pretty healthy. It's more people who are, um, the, older, the whole, older we get and the more unhealthy we are, the, if you have a lot of inflammation and things like that, then your body, the blood vessels can't make as much nitric oxide. So it's, it becomes more of a problem as we get older and it becomes more of a problem if we're, if we're overweight, if we have high blood pressure, if our cholesterol is not good, if we're smokers, you know, if we are eating a lot of sugar and um, foods that are irritating and causing inflammation so all of those things are going to affect your body's ability to make nitric oxide because those things are all affecting your your blood vessels and inflammation you said sugar that sugar affects the nitric oxide production it doesn't do it directly but what sugar is one of the main risks for uh for atherosclerosis or building plaque you know in your blood vessels the thing you know, your blood vessels get full of this plaque which is what causes heart attacks and strokes and things like that and sugar because it's so inflammatory um it it's one of the things that sets off this inflammation in your blood vessels and so if that's so that's bad for a lot of reasons you know basically you're going to limit your blood flow to your penis or your vagina or wherever because you're yeah. you have a lot of inflammation from things like sugar and other things like that um and then then your blood vessels are actually one of the other places where you make nitric oxide. So if you have a lot of inflammation in there, then those cells become dysfunctional and they can't make nitric oxide. So it's all like this web of like, you know, interconnected things, but, um, it, it's, it's super fun for me, but, uh, but, but yeah, it's, there's a lot of things that, that can affect just, you know, something as simple as how you're able to, you know, Get, get an erection or how, how your how responsive your body is going to be to um, sexual stimuli and things like that. Mm. Are there um, like genital training to have like, I don't know, um, stronger erections or stronger, you know, grip on the vagina? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, there actually is. There are actually some things you can, certainly there's um, like penis pumps can be really, can be helpful for men. Um, I don't know if you've ever used a penis. It's, it's like, I give these to all my male patients. I have like a whole stack of them in my office. Um, but basically it's like a vacuum pump and you, you it's like a vacuum, it's a cylinder. You put it over the penis and you use negative pressure and the air uh, essentially pulls blood into the penis. 
And this is- Yeah, this I've, is, I've seen those. Uh, when I yeah. used to buy adult magazines, that was a very long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll find them at like sex, sex shops and places, but they actually, there are some that are, that are um, approved, like FDA approved or, or uh, you know, essentially approved to help um, increase blood flow and, um, you know, that increasing blood flow and oxygenation can actually be helpful, you know, longer term if you're doing that regularly to, to, mm. keep, to keep the blood flow going uh, in the penis. But I also read that it can be pretty dangerous. Does it depend on like how old you are or how aggressive you pump or like, I don't yes. know. Yes. The model you get. <laughs> Absolutely. It's it, all of those things because uh, first of all, I, I see that I have a lot of men who are like athletes, you know, and they're, 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 they're super strong and they go to the gym and they, you know, like, like you're like yourself. Um, and they tend to be the ones that over pump because they're like, more is better, more is better, more is better, more is better. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're like bruised and they're I'm like, I always tell them like, more is not better. Like you don't have to go hard on this. Just like follow the instructions. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, there are some things, there's some, there's a learning curve for sure, but it's, uh, it can be really helpful. And then for women, there are a lot of, uh, a number of really cool devices out there that can be really useful to help strengthen the pelvic floor muscles, uh, to help, you know, make the, the whole, uh, pelvic floor, um, stronger to help support the bladder. So you don't have as much leaking and just orgasm stronger, et cetera. So mm. things like, like there are like, uh, intravaginal, like TENS units, you know, like, you know what TENS units are that you put them on oh, your yeah, muscle tens, and they like you've contract. Got the and there's TENS as well yeah. yeah so they have like a tens unit uh, that's an intravaginal so it goes in the vagina and it causes oh, yeah. the pelvic floor muscles to contract and it's like it's like kegels but like super strong um, and that actually is a good way to strengthen the pelvic floor muscles there's a device called intensity that is one of the ones um, that makes that does that uh, but there are several other devices that you can use at home just to help strengthen those muscles so you don't have as many problems with um, vaginal laxity or, or even things like stress urinary incontinence which is it's when you you know when you pee a little bit when you cough or when you run or things like that all that's about right. pelvic floor strength and, and getting those muscles really strong oh wow um yeah i'm still trying to i'm, I'm visual i'm trying to visualize this this bit of equipment so does it feel like an ems i mean i wouldn't know because obviously i don't have a vagina to stick it in and test it out but like <clears throat> it causes a contraction in the inside of the woman yeah would, yeah. it, would it feel like i don't know like uh um, I don't know, Braxton Hicks or something like that, or it, it kind of actually, it, that, it kind of does feel like that. It's not, it's not, um, you can adjust the intensity of it. So it can be, you can, you start kind of mild because it, it actually is, it could be pretty intense if you go too strong, but you start with it mild and then you build up your tolerance. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, it is a little bit like a Braxton Hicks where you just basically have this like contraction and then it lets go and then it's a contraction and then it lets go. Um, wow. and you do, a, you know, you do like a 10 minute session or something um, a few times a week and you, the more you do the more the higher you can go as far as the level and the stronger your muscles get so it's 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 fascinating <laughs> mm. would that also um help to improve uh orgasms would it make it more intense or are there other stuff that can no. help to make orgasms more intense yeah that definitely can because again you know part of what when you have an orgasm your those muscles are all con you know contracting um and spasming and so if the stronger contractions can um can be more pleasurable so that's one way mm. to do it um there are also some another another device i like for home that uh, we have here in the u.s i don't know if you guys have it there yet or not but it's called uh, and i don't have a relation to these companies it's called vfit plus and it's a it's like red light therapy it's like intravaginal red light therapy 
Oh my God, really? Yes, <laughs> it's yes, vaginal yes, red light. Yes, okay. you know we don't we know what red light therapy is really good for increasing energy production in your in your mitochondria, which is you know the the cell that, that your cells, and so this is like a little um, it's like a little I don't know device that goes inside that has like red lights that come out and it like there's like a vibration and it's like there's some there's some like heat and uh, I always describe it as being like like a circus for your vagina um, so <laughs> <laughs> but it actually is really effective at helping to strengthen the you know helping to increase like lubrication and tone and and pleasure and basically get more blood flow to the area and things like that so you you know you'd use this maybe three times a week um, for 10 minutes at home and uh, and it can also help kind of gradually improve some of those symptoms in women. Wow. And for men, is there anything like that for men? You know, there's actually, I've actually spoken to some companies who are developing red light therapy devices for men, uh, red light or near infrared um, devices, because the same, same thing applies for, for men, that we, if we can get the right type of light um, delivered to the penis, then there's at least, uh, in theory, could be helpful, just like it is with women. Right. I mean, I do have a red light panel and I I do tend to stand there naked. I remember listening to a podcast by who was it? Probably Ben. 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 I think I think Ben has done some about red lights and yeah. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, let me give it a go. Um, <laughs> I was going to say. So um, I'm, I'm hearing different things about like how often a person should have sex. Like, is is having too much sex a bad thing? Is there too much or? I know like too, too little and, you know, uh, in terms of like uh, mm, being together, hugging, kissing, being really intimate, um, that's all good. But like, um, you know, is there is there too much physical sex that a couple can have? You know, I think it depends on who you ask. But if you ask me, then no, uh, with the caveat being that if you're trying to get pregnant, then you want to wait at least three or four days in between in between sexual encounters, uh, just so you can sort of build up the, you know, a, a good amount of sperm to be able to, you know, to have a better chance um, of, of pregnancy. Uh, there are some people who have, who talk about, you know, when you have, like when, when males ejaculate, you lose all this energy and you lose this, you know, this or that. I'm not really sure there's a lot of good evidence to back that up. I, I think that for the most part, from what I've read, uh, a healthy, you know, active sex life, which is at least one or two times a week, is beneficial for a lot of a lot of reasons, a lot of uh, physical reasons, emotional, you know, emotional reasons, social reasons, etc. So, uh, you know, I think as long as everyone's into it and everyone is is uh, getting what they want out of it, that I wouldn't worry about too much. Okay. Because, yeah, it, it's that, like, you hear, like, all this, all these minerals being lost, and, you know, I, I, it was, I think it was Dave Asprey, actually, I, I don't know, it was one of his books where he mentioned maybe, like, once a week or once a month or something like that. Yeah. Um, maybe he was doing an experiment, but he's like, yeah, don't have it too often. So, I mean, I, yeah, I yeah. Think, you know, and I've had people ask me this question as well. I'm like, I, I don't know. If you're worried about losing minerals, then like just you know eat or drink healthy, you know eat eat or eat or drink more. I feel like it's it's not it's humans are made to be able to have sex you know often. Uh, that it just it makes sense from an evolutionary standpoint. So the idea that you have to wait a month you know or more in between encounters to be healthy, I think is is pretty ridiculous. Do you think there's a difference in how healthy sex is if it's between? Uh, a couple that love each other or two people who's just having sex 
<laughs> right that's, a good, that's a good question. Or if it's just with yourself, because people always ask me that. Because there are a number of studies right. that show that people who have, you know, that have sex, uh, and it, some, some of them are looking at sex itself as like a partner in sex, and some are looking at more like just orgasm, that those things are going to, you know, improve the hormone balance, make your mood better. They're going to help with, you know, your blood pressure, help with your sleep, help with your anxiety. There's even a study in men that shows uh, that men who are sexually active, again, one or two times a week, uh, had about a 50% lower mortality rate over a 10-year period. So they, they're, you know, they, they died. They're, like, they're less often to die in 10 years. Um, and there's probably a lot of reasons for that. But uh, it's, it's hard to say. I think there are probably benefits to all of it, uh, but probably the most benefits if you're in with a partner that you care about just because of the oxytocin and the, and the closeness that you get from that. But there's still a lot of benefits, with whether it's with someone random um, or just with your, by yourself because of all the chemicals that are, um, that are being released and the, the effect that those have on you. Right, right. Yeah, because I was going to ask about masturbation afterwards, really, because, yeah. yeah, I'm hearing different things about that, that it's not too good, especially, um, you know, when you're a teenager and you masturbate to porn, <laughs> to hold my hand up. <laughs> <When> I, was, <laughs> um, I, think, I think that's every guy, if I, if I know them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're trying to find a woman, like, no one's, no one's giving up. No, no one's giving any up, so <laughs> yeah, it's pornography. Right. So um, I do question if it's healthy for um, you know young 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 guys doing it like their mindset kind of uh, I don't know like glued to porn is like this is the ideal that's that's my thought process on that like yeah. what what would you say to people who jerk off to porn? So I, I think that it's all about uh, how often and how. Um, you know, the, the frequency is, is more of an issue than the actual thing. Uh, certainly, you know, having occasional masturbation, porn, all that is, is pretty normal and, and it can be healthy. Uh, certainly, there are also people who are become obsessed with it. And people talk about whether or not there's a porn addiction or not. And there's a lot of debate, you know, in the, in the literature about whether it's actually addictive. But whether it is or not, if it's something you're doing, you know, several hours a day, then it's maybe not super healthy. A, you're not being as productive as you could be. And B, <laughs> B I, see, I see young men um, who have erectile dysfunction. And when I, when I go through all the causes, it actually turns out to be because they're, they're watching so much porn that they have overstimulated that, you know, essentially their brain needs that like super high level, you know, crazy visualization stuff that goes with porn in order to, to send the signals to be able to have erections and to keep them. And, and so they're actually just not as turned on by a regular person because they don't get, they don't get, you know, there's not like, I don't know, random animals and multi, you know, multiple people, and all, whatever you're doing, whatever you're into, but you don't get that. <laughs> As often, <laughs> with a single yeah, partner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, You'd mentioned about different types of foods. I think you mentioned uh, green, green leafy stuff. Did you say that? Uh huh. Yep. Um, what's What's your thoughts on like oxalates in that? Have you got any thoughts about that? I don't really have a lot of thoughts. I don't know enough about. I've read some about all of that, but I don't really. I haven't. I don't have enough knowledge to comment. You know in a smart way about it. I think, I think in general that green leafy vegetables for most people are going to be, still be healthy. Um, there may be some people that, that you can do overdo it, but I, I think of all the things to worry about, that's probably not one of the main ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do, 
what is like the main problem people come to you for in terms of like sexual issues is it like dysfunction or is it like do people talk to you about their relationships or anything like that um they they start to sometimes but i'm not a, i'm a medical doctor so i'm mm. not a sex therapist i'm not a psychologist um so i definitely if you know i'm happy to listen and that's always part of the puzzle is by figuring out like what's leading to their problem and so certainly i'm happy to listen but but if there's something that needs fixing in there you know whether it's uh, emotional issues mental issues social issues you know spiritual issues all of those things i i try to refer them out to someone else who is better equipped to, to help them with the not with me. I'm better at the medical stuff. You know, are we getting blood flow where we need it? Are we getting the right chemicals, you know, get, getting released? Um, you know, is the erection lasting long enough? Like things, you know, the structural stuff, the, the body stuff, that's what I'm good at. But I absolutely recognize that you need both, you know, you need all the components to be there. Um, and that the, the emotional mental part is a huge reason for sexual dysfunction in both men and women. Mm -hmm. um, so there's definitely a need to have someone to talk to that's good at that. Right, right. Um, what's what's the process with the stem cells? Because I, I think I think did you mention stem cells? Yeah. Like how how does that all work? Because I know you take it from one part and put it to another part in your body or something like that. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. You got it. Um, yeah. So stem cells it depends on where you live on what you can do. You know, I know that where you are, I don't think the stem cells are something that is uh, being done too much. But basically, the stem cells are you know, the, they're the cells in your body that are responsible for tissue regeneration. For you know, if you if you cut your arm, the stem cells are the ones that kind of swoop in and direct all the cells to start you know repairing the collagen, getting new blood vessels in there, repairing you know essentially they're the cells that repair everything um, that when you have injuries or or you know illnesses and things. So mm. uh, so the idea between the stem cell procedures is like we can essentially take stem cells, say from you, uh, we could take stem cells either from your bone marrow or from your fat, if you had any fat, we could take some cells from your fat. <laughs> um, but you could take, you know, like we, we oftentimes will do like a little mini liposuction and take some stem cells from like the love handle area, um, take the fat and then isolate the stem cells from that um, or use bone marrow stem cells. And then we concentrate them. So you just get like a little bit of fluid that has, a, you know, millions and millions of your own stem cells. Uh, and then we can put those somewhere else in the body. So essentially, you know, for, for the sexual things, I'll inject those stem cells directly into the penis for women. I know, I know. For women, uh, into, into the clitoris or the anterior vaginal wall. I don't know what's worse. Into the penis, I can visualize like, mm -mm, but into the clit. Oh yeah. gosh. Well, we numb, first of all, we numb it with numbing cream. And it's actually, if you numb everything up, it's, it's not nearly, it's, it's, it's a little pinch, but it's not nearly what we're all, all envisioning. Um, right. But, but yeah, so you can essentially take those stem cells and move them somewhere else. Um, and then they're mm -hmm. concentrated in that tissue that you put them in with the idea being that then you can really uh, increase that regeneration repair of that one tissue and you know they're used in musculoskeletal pain you know joint pain shoulder pain back pain things like that and that's been used for a long time um in the sexual procedures there it's much more new uh but another variation of that is is rich plasma or prp which you've probably heard of prp i imagine it's basically uh, very commonly used. It's just getting your blood and getting some, and then essentially centrifuging it and getting the platelets concentrated and then using those again to help repair different tissues. So PRP has been, that's, that's mm. legal and around 
and used pretty much everywhere. But that's sort of a nice way as well. It's, a, it's not as effective probably as some of the stem cell procedures, but it's also pretty easy. It's just a blood draw. And so we can also do injections with PRP into the same areas, the same, the, the penis, the clitoris, the vagina. <laughs> I just like watching your face when I say that. You're just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Wow. I mean, that, so, okay. When people have these procedures done, what sort of thing would they expect to get from it afterwards? Like stronger orgasms? Um, um, yeah. Is it, is it, do they get that because there's a dysfunction, like a real dysfunction or is it to get more flow? How, how, what's the real reason behind it? Well, yeah, it depends on the person. So I have a lot. So certainly in the studies that have been done, most of those studies are in, in, uh, like in men, they're mostly in men with uh, erectile dysfunction from, uh, you know, they had prostate surgery or they have diabetes or they have, you know, things, uh, some kind of dysfunction from, you know, something. And so they'll inject, they've injected stem cells and, and have seen improvements in their ability to get erection. So, you know, increased, increased hardness or firmness, increased ability to last, increased pleasure, um, just those kinds of things can be, can get better. Uh, I also have a lot of male patients who don't necessarily have dysfunction. Um, I've treated, I've treated people like Ben Greenfield and Dave Asprey and, and some of these guys who don't really have problems, but they're kind of, they're really interested in this sort of idea of prevention and trying to keep things as healthy as possible. And we don't know for sure if these procedures are going to help long-term because there's just not like, we don't have long-term preventative data, but mm. uh, you know, if you, if you ask you know, Ben or Dave or a lot of those guys, um, one of their favorite things uh, that they have done with us is, is these penis injections because they, they, and they always talk to, whenever I see them, they like give me an update on the, the status of their, of their, you know, their sexual function. I'm always like, guys, I don't need to have all the updates, but, but I kind of <laughs> like it. Um, but you know, these are things that can be really helpful, even if you don't have dysfunction, just to help improve the blood flow, improve the sensations and things like that, especially if, again, if you're over 40 or so. Right. Okay. <laughs> what's, a, <laughs> what's a typical cost for uh, uh, these procedures? You, you mentioned PRP uh -huh. and also stem cells. What's what's the typical cost? It depends on where you are. I mean, you can get PRP, you know, for as low as a few hundred dollars. Usually, these procedures with PRP are going to be somewhere in the thousand dollar range. Um, but again, part of that depends on the person who's who's making it and whether they're using expensive kits and things like this. Um, so, it, you know, a few hundred to a thousand or so for PRP. And then the stem cells are going to add to the price significantly. So those are going to be several thousand dollars uh, again. And usually that's, that's something that at least with my procedures, I tend to do the stem cell procedures in conjunction with other injections. So my partner, Dr. Harry Adelson, who will do, he does a lot of musculoskeletal. So he have, we'll have patients come in and we'll inject their shoulders, their neck, their back, their knees, their ankles. Um, we'll do what we call a full body stem cell makeover where they essentially get all their joints um, injected. And then I'll also do hair, face, and then the you know, the penis or, or the genitalia. And we do all of this in one sitting. So you can essentially mm. take out those stem cells and then you can put them in a lot of places. And that ends up being, um, you know, one of the ways that we've found that people who are trying to really, really stay healthy, they like that procedure a lot because they kind of get everything treated in one sitting, you know, in one two or three hour uh, procedure. 
Wow. Do they feel different? Like when it's a whole body procedure, do they have more energy and, and stuff They like say that? they do. We've gotten a lot of interesting feedback, things like improving sleep. Um, some people say that they just feel like they've had this like full body, like massage that just kind of like, it just kind of stays with them. Um, some people have, you know, improvements in pain. If they had pain in certain areas, then that, you know, oftentimes will get better. Um, some people it's just, it, it's, you know, sometimes it's more of a vague thing, but, but yeah, we have people come over from all over the world at this point to come get these procedures, which is, you know, you know, unfortunately not available to the masses because they, they're not inexpensive, but they're, mm. they're kind of a, um, I think it's a, it's a nice kind of experiment um, to see how we can use these technologies with the hope that we can then bring them to you know a broader population um, down the line when, when these things become less expensive. Yeah, yeah. That, it sounds really good, but it, it sounds as if it's going to be a, out of a lot of people's budget. So what exactly. would you suggest to people who have dysfunctions like what would be let's say for instance their budget is a bit small right. yeah no <laughs> diet um, yeah, diet i mean lifestyle is is the first thing if you know and you know this like if you if you dial in your lifestyle your diet your exercise your meditation um you know your social relationships like if you can dial those things in your sleep um that is actually going to give you the most bang for your buck uh, and it, most of it's pretty much free or fairly inexpensive. Uh, but that's going to be preventative for helping to prevent any problems. And it, it can help and treat problems. We know like, for instance, with erectile dysfunction, men who just go out and walk for 20 or 30 minutes a day, like just walking can actually have a huge effect on erections. And it's not even that hard. And so like, that's something that like, we can all go out and walk for 20 or 30 minutes a day. And there's you know, things like that that don't cost money that you know, if, we, if we know they're good for us, we should do it. When, one of the other things that I always tell people is don't smoke. I think at this point, a lot of people don't smoke. It's not as common as it used to be. But uh, I always tell guys, you know, I, wish that, I wish that cigarette boxes had a picture of like a limp penis on the front of it because cigarettes, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> cigarettes are so bad for sexual function for both men and women but i feel like if guys knew how bad that those cigarettes were like over time for their erections they would be they would think twice about smoking in a way that's different than just saying these are bad for you like they're mm -hmm. actually really bad for you uh, at what point would that affect them i know a lot of people that smoke that have very active sex lives like yeah. it's made no difference so um, when is that going to kick in so first, i can tell them See, yeah told yeah <laughs> i mean some people it may never kick in you know some people have good genetics and they may be 85 years old and still smoking on their cigarettes and you know it they may not ever be a problem but for, for most people years and years of smoking is very inflammatory so again inflammation anything that causes inflammation is going to be going to increase your risk of problems getting blood flow to where you need to get it uh it's going to be uh, more problematic for killing off the cells like in the penis for instance you destroy those those smooth muscle cells over time um and so it just takes time you know at some people it may be five years maybe 10 years some people it may never happen but it's just one more thing that is is pretty bad for for sexual function as well as like your heart your brain like you know it's your whole body but um but yeah smoking is not good tell your friends <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. they probably won't listen anyway what about um what about vaping or uh marijuana um, marijuana, I don't think is as bad. Again, it depends on how often you're doing something. There's not a lot of, you know, marijuana can make you like have some transient uh, sexual dysfunction just because you become like 
like tired or like you know things like that. But for the most part, it's not going to be nearly as bad as uh, as as smoking. And in fact, there's some there's some uh, potential benefits for things like CBD and some of the some of the things that people are using now um, in conjunction with the THC. So I don't worry as much about that uh, actually as I do the the nicotine and the the actual like carcinogenic smoking of cigarettes that is is the problem. Did you say nicotine as well? Um, it's it's the nicotine. It's it's not so much the nicotine itself. It's the mm-hmm. carcinogens, the cancer causing, the inflammatory um, substances that are in the smoked form of cigarettes. Um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of you know a lot of people who use nicotine as supplements and and patches and things like that, especially for you know for trying to help their brain activity and such. And I think that that's okay and as long as you're doing it responsibly and with the doctor's you know help. Um, there's some potential benefit to nicotine occasionally. Right, right. Because, uh, you know, I've been checking out some books and they say it's cool as a nootropic. So right. I don't want any dif- dysfunctions. I don't do it too often, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah. What about vaping itself? Is that okay or not? I don't know enough about vaping. I mean, I don't think it's, it hasn't been, stu- as, far, as far as I've seen, hasn't been studied as much uh, for, at least for sexual dysfunction. I think, you know, it, certainly there are some things about it that are better than cigarettes. You don't have as, as much of the, the cancer chronic risk, uh, but there's also a lot of chemicals in there that sometimes you don't know what they are because various people are just throwing things in their vape pens that, that you know, as we had a bunch of, I don't know if you guys had, we had a bunch of people in the U.S. who were killed. Uh, they got they got sick, got like the serious lung disease. It's called disease from vaping and um it was like i don't know it was a it was a decent number of people so i I think it's still not great but if we had to choose between vaping and cigarettes i would i would choose vaping you know just just make sure you know what's in that that pen yeah i think um yeah that's the thing like at least cigarettes are terrible but it's uh you have to get it from a shop whereas with i don't know when it when it comes to those uh the liquids for the vape people are getting it off the street oh it's much cheaper Exactly. Even my, my younger brother, he, he buys that from, I don't know, some random Chinese man on the street or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's unregulated. That's the problem. So there's no, you know, no one is really going in and saying, well, you have to have, you know, this much of this and this much of that or, you know, no more of that. So that's the problem with the vaping. That's a problem with supplements as well. Like they're just not regulated. So you have to really know what you're buying um, before you just start taking a handful of random supplements from the gas station or whatever. Like you kind of want to know what you're putting in your body. Um, Mm. And those are pretty unregulated substances. What about drugs? Drugs and uh, sexual health. Are there any which cause any major problems or enhance it slightly? You know, people have sex Mm -hmm. and drugs and they say, oh my God, it's amazing. Is there long-term issues? Can you microdose every once in a while? Yeah, I think, you know, again, I haven't, I haven't seen a lot of studies on microdosing in sex, but I think it's probably not going to be a problem. Um, the things that are going to be like, like cocaine and the things that are vasoconstrictors, which means your the blood vessels are going to be getting smaller. Those are things that cause the blood vessels to get smaller, cause your blood pressure to go up, uh, methamphetamines, things like that. Those uh, certainly can potentially be dangerous, well, anytime, but those can be problematic for sex sometimes because you, you are, uh, you're, you're limiting blood flow and you're cranking up the sympathetic nervous system, which is like the fight or flight, you know, part of the nervous system. And you actually want to, in order to have sort of, you, it's better, it's, it's more physiologically appropriate to have 
a higher parasympathetic nervous system when you're having sex. You really want to be kind of sort of more in a little bit more relaxed state so the blood is going where it needs to go and, and your brain is in the right mindset and all of that. But, you know, I'm sure people, mm. people have sex on cocaine all the time, but, you know, I would I know, right? I would <laughs> Yeah, but oh my God, it's amazing. Are yeah, you talking I, about this restriction or constriction? Yeah, and, yeah I, I think that there's a, yeah. I think that there are some of the elements of the drug that make it, you know, that seem to, that seem to make it fun for people. Same thing with like ecstasy or, uh, you know, MDMA, things like that. But, uh, you know, obviously I'm not the drug police. I just recommend that, that if you're going to use those things, make sure you know what you're taking, um, make sure that you uh, know what they're going to do to your body long-term if you're taking them. Um, and, you know, just don't be a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in, in your clinic, do you normally get mainly uh, males or females or, or couples? Um, I'm, yeah, I'm about 50-50. I get a lot of couples that come in, but I have, I have both uh, because I, I have different, you know, a lot of crossover. A lot of the treatments that I do, like the stem cells, the PRP, even like some of the lighter energy based things um i have options for both men and women so i can see you know people both people and then you know i do we do a lot of hormones as well um in one of my practices and so you know things like testosterone estrogen progesterone making sure those are in balance that's important for men and women so so we see both okay and uh, so hormones so how, how how do you check a person's hormones and stuff like what, what sort of yeah, so you, you can check, uh, you can do all different tests. Well, you, know, you can do blood tests, you can do saliva, you can do urine. There's, there's all different tests, uh, different ways to check the hormones. But uh, the thing, you know, with men, it's testosterone primarily that we're looking at because we know that testosterone goes down as you get older. Um, that's normal. It happens. Uh, but I keep hearing that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> as you get older, as you get older. Um, but we also know, and this is interesting, that testosterone as a population, our men's testosterone levels have gone down quite a bit in the last 50 years. And so what was normal, you know, back in 1980 or, or 1970 is actually uh, our, our normal now for testosterone is much lower. They've actually had to, the, the major labs like LabCorp and some of the major labs that run a lot of tests, they've actually changed their normal reference range so that, you know, it used to be that testosterone normal was 350 to 1200 or something. And now they've changed that normal range to be like two, 200, 250 to like 900 because the population as, as a whole, their testosterone is so much lower than it used to be. Um, so that's, you know, that's something to think about and testosterone, you have, you know, you need that for both in, in order to have interest in having sex, like the libido part, but you also need it to have erections. Uh, so if you have really low testosterone, um, then that can be a problem and there's definitely some things you can do about it, but it's something that you want to know about by getting testing done by your doctor. So for women, what does it mean? Like when their test testosterone levels is low? So women also need testosterone. Our levels are about a tenth as, uh, you know, as high as men's levels, but also important, can also be important for some of the same types of things like, um, like you know, interest in sex, ability to have sex, as well as things like uh, ability to burn muscle, I mean, burn fat and build muscle and mood. And all of these things are, are things that testosterone is important for in both men and women. Uh, women also just also have estrogen and progesterone, which are a little higher levels. And so those kinds of things could be fluctuating as well. So we check with women, we check, all you know all the hormones estrogen progesterone testosterone um thyroid all that with men uh, they also have estrogen but testosterone is by far the most important one as far as looking at levels and figuring out whether they need to be uh, supplemented with with other medications mm. what progesterone did you say 
Yeah, progesterone in women. Uh, men, we don't check progesterone because that's less important for men. Um, but in women, progesterone, progesterone and estrogen kind of balance each other. And so you want them to be in balance. And there's a period of time about 10 years or so before menopause where your, your progesterone goes down, but your estrogen is still up high. And that's one of the things that can cause a lot of like PMS symptoms, sleeplessness, um, you know, being angry, grumpiness, things like that, cramping, um, et cetera. And that's, you know, all we have to do is give a little bit of, of progesterone and that can make a huge difference in how the, the woman is feeling. Uh, and then after menopause, you lose estrogen and progesterone and testosterone. And like, the, like the bottom falls out and you're just like, what's going on? Um, so there's a lot of uh, that, that happens as well. And there's some things we can do about that if, in people who want that. Wow. So if it's all gone, like during, um, in menopause stage, what do you help to ramp it all back up again? So usually we talk about replacement and whether or not they're good candidates for replacing with, like I, I use bioidenticals, uh, which basically means that the substance is just the same uh, molecular structure as what your body is making. So we essentially give you back the estrogen and the progesterone and the testosterone that's identical to what your body was making before, but it's just, it's, it's coming from me, you know, the doctor uh, instead. So you can take, there's pills, there's creams, there's pellets, there's trochies, there's all different ways we can give it to you. But uh, figuring out, you know, what the best dose is and whether or not you're a good candidate for it, looking at risks and benefits, all of that is something that, that doctors who are familiar with these kind of hormones can do. And they can make a huge difference in how someone is feeling, as well as kind of how you're aging going forward. Right. So you have to do a full-on test to see whether they can take a replacement and all yeah. the other stuff. Yeah. Usually you want to do some blood testing um, or urine or saliva to see what the levels are to begin with. So you get your baseline. And then when you start adding in, you know, supplements or, or medications, then you just check that level again in three months or six months. And you, you know, you have goals and things uh, that you work with them to try to get that patient to feel, to feel better. How long does it uh, last for? Like, let's say for instance, you know, they tick all boxes and you can give it to them. <laughs> um, yeah, how long does it, do, do they have to keep checking in every three months, like once a year or something? Yeah, I mean, it depends on how, you know, I have patients who are, you know, in their 70s who are still on hormone replacement. Like they, they've just been doing it for 30 years and they, you know, essentially when you stop doing the replacement, um, then you'll, then you'll go back to kind of having all your level, levels go back low, which in some cases can be, can cause a lot of symptoms. Um, so it's, it's really depends on the person and how long they want to take these kind of medications. But, um, but there are a lot of benefits to estrogen um, over time for things like bone health and brain health and heart health and, and you know, vaginal health and all of this. So it's, it's a matter of talking to the patient about sort of those benefits as well as the, some of the possible risks, which may be you know, things like a small increase in breast cancer risk in certain populations um, or a small increase in blood clot risk in certain populations. So it's, it's all about that sort of balancing risk and benefit and making sure that, that they're getting what they need. But I mean, it's, you could be on it for, for you know, decades, potentially. So which, which um, population would it affect to, what's the, the higher risk population for cancer, would you say? So it's, uh, it's people who either have a, a history of estrogen positive cancers in the past, like an estrogen positive breast cancer. If you had a history of that, you wouldn't want to give them more estrogen because it can inflame and ignite that cancer. Um, and also patients who have poor um, detoxification pathways, basically they don't have the enzymes to be able to break down some of the bad metabolites of estrogen. And this, you can look at a, you can look at a genetic test um, as well as 
it's in the lab values, but but some people just don't have the uh, the ability to break down some of the bad parts of estrogen therapy, and those things can actually circle back and increase risk for breast cancer, or uterine cancer, and things like that. So it's it's about you know it's like a big chemistry experiment. Like you you look at all the numbers and you you get all the pathways, and then you figure out with the patient you know what makes the most sense as far as their body goes. So with uh, repeat replacement hormone therapy, is it an expensive procedure? Uh, it, it depends on where you are, but not generally. A lot of a lot of just regular primary care doctors now, at least in the U.S., are doing uh, have, are doing hormone replacement therapy. I do recommend using the bioidentical hormones, so not not the ones that are like some of the old forms of um, of estrogen therapy was ac- was actually made from like horse urine. It was a horse urine conjugate, which made it you know estrogen made from horse urine, and wow. so that's not really what you want. Like you want to have something that matches what your own body was making before. So the bioidentical part is really important. Uh, but if you have, you can get, you know, there's primary care doctors that do it. There's OBGYNs that do it, urologists that do it. And then at least here in the U.S., there are doctors who that's, they just do that one thing. They just do bioidentical hormone replacement. And so they get really good at that, that one piece. Wow. That's pretty cool. Um, wow. I think, I think that's everything, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. I feel like your brain is like, what's going on? There's so many things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty amazed, you know, because I, I I thought like I don't know, sexual health was just pretty simple, um, but there's there's a lot to it, and there's many reasons why people would go and see someone like yourself in order to improve their sex life in different methods and ways in which it can be dealt with as well. Yeah, there's a wide variety, and hopefully it's ticked a lot of boxes for people. Yeah, I think it's. A, I, I got into this because I think it's a really fun fun field, honestly. And and what I love is that if we can take someone and get them get their sex their sexual health tuned up, it actually ends up overflowing into their whole body becoming healthier. So you know, if you're doing all the things to become sexually healthy and you're checking all the boxes, then it turns out you're also doing all the things to be actually healthy. You're exercising. You're eating right. You're watching your you know your stress. Like it, you know, it, it all like ends up making you a healthier person in general, which I love. Mm-hmm. And there's that, I don't know what you call it, but just like being with someone as well. There's that release of really nice energy. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of good stuff. Did, would you say that sex itself has to be intercourse or is there anything else which can give you uh, health benefits which is not directly intercourse? Yeah, no, I think, I mean, you alluded to it earlier, but even like cuddling, holding hands, you know, kissing, all of those things are going to release some of the same kind of hormones, the oxytocin, which is the bonding hormone, um, you, you know, it's going to release some of the same kinds of hormones that actual sex does. So I think it's, you know, all of that, if done with, with someone that you are interested in, and it's a shared experience can be really beneficial to both parties. Okay, cool. I, th- I think that's it, man. I think, uh, I think awesome. we covered everything. I'm trying to, I think I've got some notes, but I think I went over the notes. Yeah, um, I think we did. It um, was, uh, it's, it's good stuff. No, that's brilliant. Um, so where can people find you exactly? I know you're on Instagram and what's your handle on Instagram? So that's a Dr. Amy B. Killen. Uh, my middle name is B. So I, it's, I say it's my rapper name, Dr. Amy B. Killen. Um, yes, but yeah, cool. that's, I, I'm pretty active on, on, on Instagram. I also do Facebook with the same name. But, um, and then I'm also at uh, dramykillen.com is one of my websites, probably the easiest one. And then I can refer you out to other websites after that. 
Cool, that's awesome. Thank you very much today. I really appreciate your time. Um, wow, it's going to take a while to digest. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. This has been awesome, and I was I had a great time talking to you. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today's episode. Any guests which I have on the show really provide some golden nuggets and useful life-changing tips. So always feel free to check out their social media platforms or website links, which will be written in the show notes. These shows are financed by my sponsors, so your contributions are always greatly appreciated. Any clickable links with discount codes will not only provide you with the best services, but will help out the podcast too. So thank you. If you do like the Roger Snipe Show podcasts, then why not give it a review? A five star would be awesome. But some great feedback on what you liked about the show or what you would have liked to hear would be helpful too. Until next time.